0: We're reading together in Exodus, the second book of the Bible, Exodus chapter 17, page 75. And at this stage in the history of the world, God is now working through a large body of people, what we call the church in the Old Testament, Uh, he has brought them out of the land of bondage and captivity in Egypt a symbol of uh, the bondage that there is to sin Uh, he um, uh, has redeemed them uh, and they are uh, his covenant people Uh, he has brought them out under Moses uh, and uh, we want to read now some sections which tell us about another man The man Joshua who was very closely associated with Moses in the leadership of the people of God at this time. And ultimately as we'll see this morning after Moses' death uh, took over the leadership of God's people. So Exodus chapter 17 uh, and verse 8. The people are now um, heading um, into the wilderness Uh, And they face uh, an attacking army. And we see how the Lord uses Moses and Joshua to save his people. The Amalekites, that's a local people, came and attacked the Israelites at Rephidim. Moses said to Joshua, choose some of our men and go out to fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hands. So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered, and Moses, Aaron, and Hur went to the top of the hill. As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning, but whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. Aaron and Hur held his hands up, one on one side, one on the other, that his hands remained steady till sunset. So Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. Then the Lord said to Moses, Write this on a scroll as something to be remembered and make sure that Joshua hears it because I will completely blot out the memory of Amalek from under heaven. Moses built an altar and called it the Lord is my banner. He said for hands were lifted up to the throne of the Lord. The Lord will be at war against the Amalekites from generation to generation. And now we move to Numbers, the fourth book in the Old Testament, and Numbers uh, chapter 27. And we've now moved forward 40 years in the history of God's people. We're at the end of Moses' leadership. And we are at the beginning uh, or getting ready for the leadership of Joshua. Uh, Numbers chapter uh, 27 verse 12 Then the Lord said to Moses, Go up this mountain in the Abiram range and see the land I have given the Israelites. After you have seen it you too will be gathered to your people as your brother Aaron was. For when the community rebelled at the waters in the desert of Zin, both of you disobeyed my command to honor me as holy before their eyes. These were the waters of Meribah, Kaddash, in the desert of Zin. Moses said to the Lord, May the Lord The God of the spirits of all mankind appoint a man over this community to go out and come in before them. One who will lead them out and bring them in, so that the Lord's people will not be like sheep without a shepherd. So the Lord said to Moses, Take Joshua, son of Nun, a man in whom is the Spirit, and lay your hand on him. Make him stand before Eleazar the priest and the entire assembly and commission him in their presence. Give him some of your authority so that the whole Israelite community will obey him. He is to stand before Eleazar the priest who will obtain decisions for him by inquiring of the Urim before the Lord. At his command he and the entire community of the Israelites will go out and at his command they will come in Moses did as the Lord commanded him he took Joshua and made him stand before Eliezer the priest and the whole assembly then he laid his hands on him and commissioned him as the Lord instructed through Moses and finally we read Matthew Uh, chapter 28 we've touched already the beginning of our service on Joshua what was said to Joshua in Joshua chapter 1 Uh, and as he went out to lead uh, the church in the Old Testament and Christ was speaking to Joshua uh, and through Joshua to the people and here now in Matthew chapter 28 we have a group of 11 men and Christ in his flesh speaks to them about not that he will go with them but that he is with them in the mission that he has given to them not just to conquer Canaan one land but to see the gospel spread To all the lands of the earth. Matthew 28. Verse 16. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee. To the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him. They worshipped him. But some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said. All authority in heaven and on earth. Has been given to me. Amen from Joshua chapter 1 and we want to read together verses 1 to 5 and we're going to be looking at these verses in particular this morning uh, as we think about an aspect of Joshua's life uh, and a truth that is true for all who believe In the Lord who saves. We're reading page 216. In the church Bible. Page 216. First half of the Bible. uh, The Old Testament. The fifth book. um, The sixth book I should say. Um, Joshua chapter 1. Verse 1. Page 216. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I am about to give them to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot. As I promised Moses, your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon, and from the great river the Euphrates, all the Hittite country, to the great sea on the west. No one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you, nor forsake you. Amen. This morning I want us to think for a few moments about this phrase that we have here in Joshua chapter 1 and verse 5. I will be with you. I will be with you. These words are spoken by the Lord to Joshua. Uh, and they're meant to bring encouragement to him uh, in the light of the circumstances that he's facing in his life, the new role that he's taken on, the challenges and the dangers that lie ahead of him. Uh, life continually changes for all of us. Uh, and we can find ourselves in new circumstances. We can find ourselves with challenges and responsibilities that we did not anticipate. And when we do, we need to remember uh, as uh, always These words, I will be with you. That is the promise of Christ to all who are saved through Him. It's the promise of Christ to all who have repented of their sins. It is the promise of Christ. To all who have believed in him that by his death on the cross their sins are taken away. They have become and are God's children. And this promise is ours not on the basis of how well we live. Each day. This promise doesn't cease to be yours. When you fall short. Of the glory of God. And when you sin as we all do. Day by day. This is. A promise. That stands. uh, uh, And it's from Christ. To his people. Regardless. Of what is happening in our lives. Now that doesn't mean of course. That you and I can be casual about sin. Paul deals with that very very clearly. In Romans. Shall we continue to sin then. That grace may abound. God forbid. You or I cannot say. It doesn't matter what I do. It doesn't matter how I speak. It doesn't matter how I act. The Lord will be with me. The Lord will be with you, yes. And if you sin knowingly and willingly and defiantly of his word. He will be with you as a chastening Lord. He will be like an earthly father. And he will come and he will bring his discipline to bear upon my life. And your life if we dare to fall into presumption because of this great and glorious promise. Now this promise, let's think about it for a moment and who it's made to. It's made to Joshua, this man whose very name means the Lord saves. That's the testimony of his life. And to any here this morning who are not yet a Christian. We say this is the most important thing for you to recognize about Christ. He's the one who came to seek and to save that which is lost. And as Joshua with his Old Testament knowledge and was much less than ours. Put his trust in the Lord Jesus So you and I, you who do not believe this morning, you're to put your trust in the Lord Jesus. Notice that the word Lord is capitals here. Five times the word, the name the Lord is used with Joshua. And it doesn't mean this word, the Lord in capitals, doesn't mean the sovereign one who rules over all things. There is a name, Lord, which does mean that. But this name, Lord, means the one who comes into a covenant of salvation with sinners. So we're thinking this morning about Christ and him speaking to Joshua whom Christ has saved through the means of grace that were there in the Old Testament from the days of Adam through to the time when he lived which is the era of Moses now let's see how this truth then is going to work itself out in the life of this believer this truth I will be with you. How is it going to work itself out? Well let's see how it works itself out. In the face of death. Or in time of death. It works itself out in the face of death. This chapter as you read it. uh, Has a backdrop. And the backdrop is a funeral. A funeral. Joshua and the people have come from 30 days of mourning. It has been the funeral of no ordinary member of the church. The funeral has been that of Moses. Moses has been the equivalent of the minister to these people. Notice how he's described in verse 1. He's described as the servant of the Lord. The servant of the Lord. So he is the one, Moses is the one, who has served the Lord before them, and among them, and on their behalf. He has brought the word of God to bear upon their lives. He has prayed for them. Uh, He has established from God, by God, revealing it to Moses. Moses has established the tabernacle and all the means of worship. Up to this point, there has been no one like Moses. And so the sense of loss is very, very great. Moses had led them out of Egypt. Moses had led them through 40 years of wilderness wandering, 40 years of very difficult existence. Moses is no longer with them. And the question on everyone's lips, including Joshua's, is how are we going to go forward without Moses? How are we going to enter Canaan without Moses? How are we going to inherit Canaan without Moses? Moses. Moses. Everyone is still talking about Moses. His name actually occurs 11 times in the chapter. As if the man wasn't dead. But he is dead. And Israel needs to accept that Moses is dead. But the Lord lives. The Lord does not die. The Lord is without beginning and without end. Moses is no longer present with Israel. But the Lord continues present with Israel. And that's what um, the Lord is impressing upon Joshua here at this point he's saying to Joshua in particular Joshua you have lived um, in the shadow of Moses in other words he's been your great mentor Um, he's been your great encouragement Uh, he's been your great example He's been your great teacher. He's been a father to you in particular. Notice how Joshua is described here in verse 1. He was Moses' assistant. That's a phrase that's used four times of Joshua. In the Old Testament scriptures. Um, Right back to Exodus chapter 24. Joshua had been on the mountain with Moses When Moses was given the commandments. Joshua had been in the tabernacle. And it stayed in the tabernacle. When Moses left it. At times to go out and speak to the people. Um, Joshua uh, is uh, the one whom Moses has uh, trusted and looked upon. And given such responsibility to. To the point that now Joshua is the ordained leader of the people. And yet the reality is. That Joshua feels a huge vacuum. In his life. And he needs to forget about Moses. Moses. He needs to be thankful, not to forget about him in the sense of erasing him from his memory. But he needs to stop looking back, as it were, to life with Moses. And he needs to learn now to live life without Moses. And to live life by the Lord's help. Without Moses as he had lived it by the Lord's help with Moses. And isn't that a very important truth for you and me to learn? There are changes that occur in our lives and we don't know the moment when the Lord will change our circumstances again. And someone that we have looked to and leaned upon as a mature Christian perhaps a life partner perhaps a parent Perhaps a minister, perhaps an elder, perhaps a very close friend, and they have been, as it were, part of our lives for forty plus years, as Moses has been in the life of Joshua. Moses can, or Joshua can't think of a time when Moses was not before his eyes. And yet now, Moses has been taken from him. And how the Lord seeks to graciously, yet gently and firmly direct his attention. Joshua, Moses is dead. Yes, Israel, Moses is dead. But I am not dead. I the Lord ever live as I was with Moses. Verse 5. So I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. The reality then of the Lord's presence with Joshua. In the time of death. There are many of you here this morning. And you can testify to that. In your lives. A partner perhaps has been taken. Or a parent has been taken. Or a close friend. Or a minister. Someone you looked up to. uh, And they had meant so much to you. And they were the figurehead in your life. And they were used by God in your life. They were your mentor. But the Lord took them. And today. You are a living example. Of this verse. Of how as the Lord was with a parent. Or a friend or whoever it is. That you want to put in there. Whatever name. So he um, has been. And will be. And is with you. And children and young people. Learn that truth. Death when it comes into a Christian family is a very sore thing. We feel it keenly. And it's right that we should feel it. And it's right that we should weep at a time of death. And we weep with those who weep. But children and young people Even when the Lord takes away a parent or whoever it is that is your figurehead for Christ in your life who models Christ to you and represents Christ to you remember that Christ himself will never leave you or forsake you. He will be with you. That's the first thing. The second thing we want to see this morning is how the Lord is present with Moses or sorry with Joshua in time of difficulty. I will be with you. And what is the situation now? Well, it's the time of difficulty. Look at verse 2. Moses my servant is dead. But you see the work of the kingdom is not dead. The work of Christ is not dead. It goes on. And so what is the next stage? Well there is a new stage. And it is a very challenging stage. Or chapter that is going to open. In the history of the church at this point. Now then. You and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give to them, to the Israelites. What a challenge this is. What a challenge this is for Joshua. Because remember, Joshua is one of only two men who can remember back to an earlier time when the lord wanted to take the people into the land through a much easier route they didn't have to cross a river they just had to cross a border to go from the south up into the land and what have the people said no we're not going there we're not doing that And so the whole of Joshua and his friend Caleb's generation was wiped out. Died in the wilderness over 40 years because of their unbelief and disobedience. What a warning that is to us. Here are people who professed faith with Joshua and with Caleb and with Moses they saw the mighty works of God bringing them through the Red Sea providing them with bread in the wilderness water in the wilderness but a whole generation fell Hebrews tells us in unbelief and disobedience their faith their profession wasn't real it wasn't genuine it was only in the head It wasn't from the heart. And how important it is that you and I are Joshua's and Calebs. That we don't turn back, that we don't hold back in unbelief. That we don't say to the Lord at any point in our lives, I can't do that, I can't accept that. I won't go there because it's too dangerous. Or it's too difficult. Or it's too demanding. That's what in effect that generation had said. And they lost everything. But you see here's Joshua. And there's now a new generation. And Joshua and Caleb. They're the oldest two men about the place. They're probably somewhere in their 60s. Because you remember it was the men 20 years and over that died. So they had to be at least 20 at that time when the people refused to go into the land. So there's 60 plus. And you see how Joshua must, his mind, in a sense, must almost be thinking, Lord, yes, I've been ready for this 40 years ago. But remember what the people did 40 years ago. They wouldn't go forward under the leadership of Moses. And are they going to go forward under my leadership? I'm not a Moses. I haven't struck the rock and water come out of it. I haven't prayed and manna come down from heaven. I haven't dipped my toes into the water at Moses' command and the waters parted. Are the people really going to follow me? And the Lord says, Joshua, doesn't matter how difficult the task seems, remember. You weren't put off by the difficulty of the task 40 years ago. You saw exactly the same things in the land of Canaan as those other ten spies. You and Caleb saw those things. But by your faith you triumphed. And You see, without faith we can't triumph. Even those circumstances, those difficulties that come into your life and my life every day. The things that you don't expect. The things that go wrong in life. What we would call, what the world would call the hassles. And the difficulties. And the disappointments. And the setbacks. We've got to meet them with faith in Christ. We've got to meet them believing that the Lord is with us. And whatever is the difficulty, he will give us the grace and the strength and the wisdom and the ability to overcome it as we look to him or to live for him through it as we look to him. And so we find Joshua here faced with this difficulty but given this great assurance, I will be with you. Um, and notice this Jordan River what a challenge it is Uh, the Jordan River is 90 to 100 feet wide at its widest at its shallowest it's 3 feet in depth Uh, and at points it's 10 to 12 feet deep and the Jordan has a fast flowing current because it drops at an elevation Of an average of 9 feet per mile. You get water dropping at that kind of elevation. And it's moving fast. And bear in mind that at this time the Jordan is not a trickle. The Jordan is in full flood we know from scripture. Here's the comment that Dale Ralph Davis makes. This means that the river Israel faced was no placid stream but a raging torrent. Is there anything in your life this morning, fellow believer, that seems like a raging torrent? It's rushing along. And you feel that you're going to be carried away with it, that you can't overcome it. Learn from this passage. The Lord is present with his people in time of difficulty and not even the raging torrent of Jordan will put this people off course if they respond by faith and obedience with love and service to the Lord who has saved them. Let's notice then thirdly and finally uh, this morning thirdly and finally the Lord is present with his people in time of danger in time of danger you see the situation um, as we begin to uh, unpick it here uh, and get ourselves into it it goes from bad to worse (laughs) At a human level, Moses is dead. They're going to cross. They've got to cross this vast, flowing, raging river. And then look at what they're going to find when they get across the river. Verse four: Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon, from the great river the Euphrates, all the Hittite country, the great sea on the west this huge tract of land that goes from the Jordan right through to the Mediterranean Sea and in fact it's much bigger even than that was taken at that time. It ultimately is fulfilled in its dimensions um, in the reign of Solomon. But this huge tract of land and is it just sitting there waiting to be taken? Is it like when You know the pilgrim fathers went out from Ireland to America and really if they went to the right place in America all they had to encounter was the trees and chop them down and clear the land. Now this place is hiving with Canaanites. Those who have been the avowed enemies of God for centuries. Remember Abraham had encountered them. And Abraham had lived by faith before them. That was 400 years before this. And at that time God said. Yeah these people they worship idols. And they, they don't acknowledge me. Despite the testimony that is among them. But I'm going to leave them for yet another 400 years. Before their judgment comes. And so they're going into if you want to put it like this. Enemy territory. and capital letters. Hostile territory. The people of God. And what a danger. That faces them there. And the land that. Uh, Israel with under Joshua. Will set foot on. Is occupied territory. We hear a lot about the occupied. Um, West Bank. And Gaza Strip. And all of that. And you know how fiercely territory is, is, is um, defended um, in that part of the world. Well, these Hittites, these Canaanites, they are going to defend their territory to the death. And so um, Israel is going to, the church is going to have to face this enemy, going to face great danger. How are these people so ill equipped? With so little resources. So little weaponry. How are they going to withstand the Canaanites? And look at what the Lord says. Verse 3. Here's why they will stand. I will give you every place where you set your foot as I promised Moses. The Lord is going to give it. Every inch of it. Uh, And if the people will go forward in faith and love and obedience, they will inherit every inch of it. Now, of course, as we read through Joshua, we realize that their faith faltered at times. And they didn't give a wholehearted obedience. And so they didn't take all the territory. Again, a challenge to us. That no matter what the dangers we face, we've always got to be responding with faith. Look at verse 5. No one will be able to stand up against you all of the days of your life. What encouragement to Joshua in the time of danger. You see the Lord is present with his people in time of danger. And that's still the same great reality today. What did Paul find? When he was going from city to city in the New Testament. And he was stoned and he was shipwrecked and he was imprisoned. And all kinds of things happened to him. He was put on trial and at the very end of his life. What does he say in Timothy? He says no one, he said all departed from me. No one stood with me. But the Lord stood by me. You see, the Lord was with his servant in his time of danger. And the Roman emperor could not touch Paul. He couldn't take life out of Paul or from Paul until the time that God had purposed for that to happen. The reality is you and I live in a dangerous world. (coughs) We live in a dangerous world. We are surrounded by the results of sin and there's all kinds of uh, dangers that we face from man, from nature um, and from those particularly who oppose Christ. We're living an increasingly hostile day to the gospel in the United Kingdom. And you see, we could be tempted to think, well, the danger's too great. We just put our heads down. And we just make the best of what we have. We'll just live on the west side, um, as it were, um, of, uh, sorry, on the east side of the Jordan. And we'll not bother trying to take any more territory for Christ. And the challenge is to remember don't focus on the danger. Don't focus on the danger. If you and I focus on the danger, you will never accomplish a single thing for Christ in your entire life. Don't focus on the difficulty either. Don't focus on death either. Focus on Christ in the midst of death, in the midst of difficulty in the midst of danger, and you will triumph. Now that doesn't mean that everything's going to fall down before you and everything's going to fall into place nice and neatly, but it does mean this, the purpose that Christ has to accomplish through your life and mine, it will be finished. And we will be able to say at the end of our lives as our Saviour was able to say the work which you have given me to do I have done, I have finished. And so we take all of this and let's see now and take it right through as we close into a New Testament context. We're not talking in the light of this Today we are not talking about going out with a sword. That is where Islam is so wrong. Going to conquer the world. By a jihad. A holy war with weapons. Paul says the weapons of our warfare are spiritual. It is this book And it's prayer, the Bible and prayer. It's the gospel and prayer. Those are our weapons that we go out into the world and we go out and we live in the world with lives changed by the gospel, changed by prayer. We go out speaking to the world, the gospel, and we do so with prayer. And we're not just looking at a little place in Carrickfergus with a small group. But we're looking at a vision that sees the earth belongs to the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's why Christ, when we come into the New Testament, said, go into all nations. Don't just go into Canaan. Go into all nations. Make disciples of all nations. And I will be with you. Or I am with you. Sorry, I should say, I am with you. And you see, whatever's happening at a human level, whatever's the reality of our experience, time of death, time of difficulty, time of danger, not just for us as individual Christians, but for the Church of Christ, we still hear his command. Go, make disciples. Not just in one little area, but to the ends of the earth. And no, I am with you always. I will never leave you nor forsake you. And you see the territory. Ultimately, the Lord will have his people throughout the earth. And again, let me come back at the end to anyone who's not a Christian. What happened to the Canaanites? Because of their unbelief and their disobedience. Their refusal of the gospel they were destroyed physically and they um, have ended up in hell those who didn't believe and it's the same in our world today anyone who rejects Christ and resists the gospel and who does not believe and does not bow the knee Realize it's not life that lies before you. It's death. Physical death. You're in a state of spiritual death as it is. And it's eternal death in hell. For any who do not believe. And so we say to you as we say to ourselves. The Lord saves We look to him, we trust him, we follow him. In time of death, in time of difficulty, in time of danger. Knowing that as we do that, we triumph in Christ and through Christ. Amen. God for the Lord Jesus Christ who has blazed this trail before us we thank you that as he was surrounded by the cords of death and the cross he trusted in you we thank you that as he faced difficulties and dangers in his earthly life he trusted in you and by faith he overcame We thank you that by faith he rose again from the dead. He knew that you would raise up his human body and impart to it again his living soul, so that body and soul would be united and enter into heaven forty days after his resurrection. So, Lord God, We pray that you would help us to look to Christ, to know that he will be with us and to know that even now he is with all who believe in him. We pray for those in our families who do not yet believe, those among our friends, those within our circle of influence and contacts. and We pray for the work of your Holy Spirit. Help us to persevere The work of the gospel. To labor for the day comes and the hour comes when we will not be able to labor. Help us Lord God to labor faithfully. Despite whatever comes in our lives. Whatever difficulty. Whatever danger. And even when death comes into our circle and into our um, lives that we would labor for you.